Good evening, movie lovers. Welcome back to Movies with Kane and Tal. This is a special episode. It's a on this day episode. And an on this day episode. Uh, which is a new thing that I've decided to start doing randomly and occasionally with a few special guests. I have some very special guests lined up uh, over the next couple of weeks. My dad, um, my sister, uh, <laughs> Maybe my husband. Maybe I'll talk to my kids. Whoever will talk to me. Uh, anyway, today on this day in 1942 in New York City was the world premiere of the movie Casablanca. Now, you may not have heard of this film. Okay, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's one of the most classic films of all time, but I had never seen it up until last night, and I decided to watch it due to the fact that it was released this day in 1942. So what I'll do first is I'll just play the trailer so we can all re-familiarise ourselves. Get into the mood. Play it, Sam. You must remember this A kiss is just a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things I stick my neck out for nobody. Wise foreign policy. And when two lovers woo, they still say I love you. On that you. Why did you come back to tell me why you ran out on me at the railway station? Yes. You can tell me now. I'm reasonably sober. Brains as time goes. There is a man arrived in Casablanca on his way to America. He will offer a fortune to anyone who'll furnish him with an exit visa. Well, what's his name? Victor Laszlo. It's perhaps a strange circumstance. We both should be in love with the same woman. A case of do or die. The world will always welcome lovers as time goes by. He's looking at you, kid. Sure, that takes a few people back. Okay, so just a few things to note about the film in general. So, as I said, it was released in 1942 on this day, uh, 26th of November. It was directed by Michael Curtis. It was produced by Hal B. Wallace. The screenplay was by Julius Epstein, Philip Epstein, and Howard Koch. It was based on Everybody Comes to Rick's by Murray Burnett and Joan Allison. It was starring Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Paul Henride, Claude Rains, Conrad Veidt, Sidney Greenstreet and Peter Law, amongst others. Music was by Max Steiner, cinematography Arthur Edison, edited by Owen Marks and the production company was Warner Brothers. And so that was 77 years ago and I find that in itself uh, just extraordinary that movies were being made 77 years ago and I was talking to my sister earlier and I'm like people who went to the cinema to see that film most of them like the very very majest, vast majority of them would no longer be living that's how long ago it was anyway uh so I watched it last night and what a great film I really did enjoy it I mean there was a huge build-up around that my whole life I've heard about what an extraordinary film this is and 
how well loved it is. And I guess when that kind of happens, you always have this build-up of uh, expectation. Uh, and it didn't exactly deliver on that for me. It wasn't the best kind of one of those classic films that I've ever seen. But I did thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. So I thought I'd talk to you uh, guys about a few things that you may not know about the movie. One thing that you may know, uh, it's become kind of a common thing now that everybody kind of knows, is that the line, play it again, Sam, is not actually said in the film at all. It was one of those times where it was kind of misquoted once or twice and then it ended up being misquoted all over the place. And the line is actually, play it, Sam, not play it again, Sam. Uh, so that was one thing that I just uh, noticed myself because I've I've heard all the classic lines from the films over the year, film over the years even though I had never seen it, and when I got to the end of the film I thought to myself, hang on a second, <laughs> nobody said play it again, Sam, and I looked it up and it's it's true they don't actually say play it again, Sam. One of the lines that is said four times in the film, he is looking at you, kid, wasn't actually part of the script. Apparently Bogart was teaching. Ingrid Bergman had to play poker in between scenes and he said that to her a few times while they were playing poker and it it made its way into the movie that way. Another uh, very famous line, the very last line, I feel like this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship or something along those lines, Uh, there was some confusion over whether to use that as the last line or whether to use a different line. So the two lines that they were tossing up between were, Louis, I think this might be the beginning of a beautiful friendship, and Louis, I might have known you'd mix your patriotism with a little larceny. So they hadn't actually uh, decided on it while they were filming it, and they had to get uh, Bogart to come back in and redub that in two weeks after they'd finished all the filming and everything. So there you go. Anyway, we're at the end of the film. Let's go go back to the beginning of the film. So it was based on an unproduced play by Murray Burnett. Um, him and his wife had been to Europe. They'd been in the south of France. They were quite surprised and affected by the anti-Semitism that was going on in Europe at the time. And they found these nightclubs in the south of France and around Spain where there was seemed to be a, quite a multicultural feel to them due to a Um, increasing number of I guess refugees and exiles from other parts of the world kind of the build-up to World War II we're talking you know a lot of serious things sort of happening around that time and particularly in Europe so they they made this they wrote this play it was never produced Warner Brothers picked it up they decided they would like to make a movie out of it. It was originally called Everybody Goes to Rick's. And they wanted the Epstein brothers to write for it. But unfortunately, they were busy uh, working on a Frank Capra TV show at the time. My children are trying to get into the room. <laughs> I'm making a podcast. This is the life of the indie podcaster. I'm, I've, I'm stuck in my bedroom with the door shut. <laughs> This is my studio. Anyway, the Epstein brothers were busy uh, working on a TV series in Washington. While they were gone, uh, they used another writer whose name is Howard Koch, and he's credited on the film for writing, and he wrote about 30 to 40 40 pages of the script in the first couple of weeks before uh, the Epstein brothers came back. There's actually another writer as well 
whose name was Casey Robinson. He was never credited uh, for writing on the film. He did three weeks of sort of rewrites. But between the three of them, they were never in the room at the same time. Well, the Epstein brothers and Kosh were never in the room at the same time, which is really bizarre that it, that the movie script managed to come together at all when you're looking at sort of three different perspectives coming into this. But there have been critics around the time and, and later since who have talked about the way that that potentially is part of what does actually make it work. Although not all critics praised it uh, the way that you would expect. Some people called it a little bit mediocre. Uh, I think that might have been Umberto Eco actually. There's uh, another very famous critic from the time who called it schlocky romance. Uh, one of the actual writers... I don't think this was a criticism. I think this was just a comment on the screenplay. Uh, Julius Epstein noted that the screenplay contained, and I'm quoting here, more corn than in the state of Kansas and Iowa combined, but when corn works, there's nothing better, which I thought was quite cute. Um, so it was. they started filming in 1942. They weren't supposed to release it till the following year, but at the end of 1942, the Allied forces were getting ready to invade North Africa and actually take Casablanca back. So they decided to up things as quickly as possible and they released it to coincide with that, somewhat the same way as I'm making this podcast to coincide with the release date of the film in 1942. Despite the fact that the film was full of A-list actors and written by very famous screenwriters, it wasn't it – was, it was unexpected – how popular it was and how well it did. It really exceeded uh, everybody's expectations, even the people in the studio who were making it. They were just sort of expecting it to be another one of the many Hollywood films that would come out that year. The, even the the initial box office success was not anything crazy. It was kind of regular, but once people kind of heard about it, it gets around word of mouth, things it got became very, very popular very quickly and ended up obviously winning uh, quite a few awards. It got Academy Award for Best Picture that year. Curtis, uh, the director, was selected as Best Director. The Epsteins and Kosh were honoured for their screenwriting. It won Best Adapted Screenplay. Another couple of things to note about the film. Um, Bogart is two inches shorter than Bergman and had to spend most of the time acting uh, standing on boxes or sitting on cushions so that he wasn't seen to be shorter than her. Hello, Tom Cruise. Obviously, the soundtrack has become very famous over the years. Everybody loves the music from the film. Uh, if you look at the – if you remember the guy who comes to speak to Laszlo in the, in the bar – and shows him a ring, pretends to be selling it to him, and then flips it up, and there's an emblem inside that. That's called the Cross of Lorraine, and it's an emblem of the Free French Forces. So there you go. It ran into a bit of trouble with the Production Code Administration, who I think kind of did censorship of films, if you like, um, at that time. I think there were some more scenes that kind of implied even more strongly than we see in the film uh, that we got of the sexual favours being elicited by the captain of the police, Renault, for the passes to get out of Casablanca. And also I think there was some more implication of the sexual relationship between Rick and Ilsa. So those scenes had to be uh, taken out before they would allow the movie to be released. 
And then the last thing that I wanted to mention was a just a little bit of a funny anecdote. In 1982, a guy named Chuck Ross uh, claims that he sent 217 copies of the screenplay Casablanca with a different title, the original title actually, Everybody Comes to Rick's, uh, and changed the name of the piano player from Sam to Dooley Wilson. He sent it to 217 agencies in Hollywood who, uh, in those days, the, the big studios, they didn't, they didn't read unsolicited screenplays, so you had to send it to an agent. So there was a list you could buy apparently for $1 and they would send you all the agencies that were in Hollywood at the time. So he sent out a copy of the screenplay to every one of them to see if anyone would get it made. He wondered if, you know, it, it had lasted the test of time and if that screenplay had been presented to somebody now, would they get the film made? Well, over half of them sent the screenplay back without reading it. Of the ones that did read it, I think 80-something uh, didn't recognise it as being Casablanca. Uh, about 38 of the studios did recognise it but not specifically as Casablanca. Eight of them recognised it specifically as the film. Uh, a couple of them wrote back to him quite humorously and said things along the lines of, look, you know, I'd love to do this but I'd run into some casting trouble given that most of the actors that I can see playing this film are already dead. Uh, another, another guy wrote back and said, I've actually already seen this film 147 times to be exact. And then three studios got back to him and said they'd like to make it into a movie. And one person actually wrote back to him and said he'd like to make it into a novel. So there you go. Anyway, that's the end of my little look into the film that is Casablanca, 77 years old today. We will resume our regular broadcast on Wednesday. Look forward to talking to you then. Bye for now.